This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. All right, it's the H-Town Hoops podcast. Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane, SportsRadio610.com. We got Austin Mendez producing this thing for us. And Adam, man, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were here talking and it was at least for Rockets fans, kind of a, a celebration time. It, it, well, I guess that depends on how you look at the season, right? If you if you want to lose every game, then maybe not. But the last time we talked, man, they had won back-to-back games, two of the last three, uh, six of the last ten. And, you know, the schedule happens really quick. And, you know, it's been three games since we talked last. They lost all three of them. I don't think any of the three games, and you tell me if you disagree with this, but I don't think any of these three games, even in defeat, there was any kind of moral victory or a tangible thing to to take away from it and, and feel good about sort of in this in this rebuild process. You know, when you think about not winning games, losing games, but still wanting to see tangible signs of progress that make you feel good about the the development and they lost these three straight games to to miami to portland to san antonio before we get into it man i mean just what 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 happened overall what what do you think and and you know what 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 is the sort of the story of this this three game skid for the for for, for the rockets so i think it's kind of a tale of three games i, I thought the miami game was okay I, I didn't think they were bad in that game i know miami was pretty short-handed playing a back-to-back but jimmy butler was just a force in that game. And so was Tyler hero. And and sometimes those two guys are better than anything that the Rockets are going to run out there. And it's not necessarily a talent thing, but it's just an experience thing. And Jimmy Butler has been around a long time and he is a legitimate star in this league. And Tyler hero is just shooting the ball. Well, I mean, maybe they could have defended him a little bit better, but I thought for the most part, they were fine in that game and they had a chance to win. At least they had a chance to tie late in the game. Um, Saturday against Portland, the first half was not great. But they did some things to at least give themselves a chance. And they, I think they were only down six at halftime. And that's just because they out-rebounded. They, they just offensive rebound the hell out of the ball. And they were all over the place. At one point in the second quarter, they were at like a 65% offensive rebounding rate. And they converted that into points, and it kept them in that game. Then the second half, the offensive rebounds disappeared, and their other flaws were, were just exasperated. And so that's why they got blown out in the third quarter of that game. And that was an energy thing too, especially in the third quarter. And then against San Antonio Monday, that is, there's nothing good you can say about that game. And and that's just, it's really deflating basketball game. It's really deflating performance. Uh, they, they spent post-game Saturday talking about not playing with energy. They talked post-practice on Sunday about not playing with energy. So what do they do? They come out on Monday and play with even less energy. And 
that's a Spurs team that is not good. Obviously, they're not. They entered the game nine and twenty on the season, uh, league's worst defense, twenty eighth best offense, and they're missing their leading scorer. And they took it to the Rockets early on. It's 16-6 before you can blink. They're up by 11 at one point uh, in the first quarter. And that's against the Rockets starters. The Rockets played with, for the most part, all their guys. Their, their, their top nine guys were available for that game uh, against San Antonio. And they just got completely outworked early on. The second unit did a really nice job of getting them back in the game. And then they took the lead. And then the third quarter happens. And again, the starters completely crater. And they were terrible in that game. And... We talk about rebuilds and you know developing and building good habits, and you saw none of that on display against San Antonio. That's that's one of those games. You know, I've said this multiple times, but that's the type of game that gets a coach fired. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and so to that point, let's segue into really the first question. And maybe it should be amended a little bit. I was going to ask, what do these three games say about Coach Silas, about Steven Silas? But... I know you wrote in Gallery Sports, uh, gallerysports.com, a moment really keying in on a moment that was a bad look for the Rockets as as player the players themselves uh, primarily, but then also a, a bad look for the coaching staff, namely Stephen Silas. Uh, a moment in the third quarter where uh, Kevin Porter Jr. scores on a Euro step, uh, scores on a, on a layup, and it's a, so it's, it's a made bucket essentially. And they allow Trey Jones, which which Jones brother is? Is it Trey Jones? Oh, yeah, I get the I get to, uh, the, the Jones brothers mixed up. But Trey Jones to go straight up the middle of the court, like not even taking like a particular angle or like a, this amazing athletic play. But he goes just straight down the court. And then something that they teach you in 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 Little League in in Bitty Ball in in, in middle school is to stop ball. You know, and that's in transition, much less off of a made basket. And he's able to go coast to coast. I think Jabari Smith tries to make an effort there at the end, but it seems like maybe he didn't expect to have to be the one to stop ball in that moment. And it's just it's just an ugly moment. And I'll go back to prefacing this question, like back to your point that you just made in the open there of, hey, they talked two days in a row about, not being low, playing with high energy, or at the very least not playing with low energy. And then this is the effort that you see from him in, with the Spurs. And then that particular play is a moment where, you know, last podcast or maybe the one before that, I, I pointed out a particular moment that was great to watch, you know, where they're playing defense and they're getting buckets on transition and they're throwing lobs to the, the guards or throwing, you know, catching lobs. But it's like, hey, this is the, antithesis of that you know um what 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 did you think that that moment may maybe said about the coaching staff kind of to your point about this being the type of thing that could get a coach fired i don't know if part of it is the coaching staff i'll get to that in a second but it was just it's just such a complete lack of focus and a complete lack of attention to detail and trey jones on that play that's porter's man but porter's behind the play because he just made the layup so you are relying on your teammates to pick you up 
And they had four guys back. You know, the the other four guys, Gordon, Shingun, Green, and, and Smith, are all back. They're in front of the ball as it crosses half court, and nothing happens. No one says, you got ball. No one points anything out. And it, they just allow Trey Jones just to go straight to the rim. And it's just, first of all, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing basketball to play the game that way. But you saw Silas immediately call a timeout. And, you know, you have Mike Batiste pointing it out, and he's, you know, leaning back in his chair on the bench. John Lucas just stands up in disgust watching this, and Silas calls a timeout. And for me, and this is one of those corny coaching things, but when you, as a head coach, when you see that happen and you're playing the way that you're playing the entire game, you got to do something. And I thought that it was a mistake to let those five guys go back out on the floor again. And I'm not saying you hold them out the rest of the game, but you got to shake it up a little bit because you basically, that's a lack of effort, lack of, like I said, attention to detail, lack of focus, all that stuff. And you just sent the message that, okay, he's just going to call timeout and he's going to talk to us. And then we're just going to go back in the game and it'll all be like normal. I don't think you can do that with a young group like this. And I think sometimes you got to, you got to play the bad cop and you got to sit somebody down just as an example so that they know this isn't going to fly. You know, we can talk about rebuilds and being young and all that sort of stuff. That's not a young mistake. That's a lazy mistake. That's lazy basketball. That's not caring. And if you want to grow to be something more than what they are right now, which is nine and 21, you can't do that sort of stuff. And, it, and it's not the first time that it's happened either. So for me, it was a missed opportunity by Silas to really put his foot down and say, you know what? No, we're not playing like this. And the problem that you have with rebuilds is that basically, and this is your starting five too. These, this is supposed to be your five best guys. And you basically hand those guys minutes. All those guys have just been handed their minutes. They haven't had to work for anything. Jalen Green is number three pick in the draft. He hadn't had to work for his minutes. He's gotten his minutes. He knows he's going to start every game. Kevin Porter Jr. is you know, basically been anointed by the front office by getting the big contract extension. He's going to start every game. He doesn't have to earn his minutes. Eric Gordon is the vet. He's going to get his minutes. Jabari Smith Jr. is the third pick in the draft. I think I said Green was the, the third pick in the second pick in the draft. Jabari Smith Jr., third pick in the draft. He's going to start every single game. Alperin Shengun, he's basically going to start every single game. So these are not guys who have to earn minutes, yet they allowed that play to happen. And for me, that's inexcusable. And at some point, you have to start holding guys accountable. And for me, that would have been sitting that group down, maybe not for the rest of the game, but at least for a couple minutes because that second group played so well and they played so hard, they shouldn't have to watch the starters basically waste the effort that they made to get the team back into the game, digging them out from the hole that the starters put them in in the first place. Yeah, man, going back to the point that you just made about it not being a young mistake, uh, again, I want to reiterate this. You learn to stop ball in transition, but certainly off of a made basket. You, you learn to at least stop the ball or make the ball handle or change direction at the very least. You learn that the like the first time you play organized five-on-five basketball you know, far, far longer or far before you get to the NBA. So I don't care if it's your first NBA game, you know, if you've played organized basketball for long enough, that's, that's a, that would be inexcusable for a high school team. So much less for, for, for guys who, like you mentioned, are NBA players, starters, and have been essentially given their minutes based off of their status draft and or veteran status. So, but thing that stood out to me or the thing that I that I kind of think about 
when we talk about Silas in this moment is, you know, we talked about it in a, in a positive light the last time when, when Silas was out and uh, with the death of his father and John Lucas had come in. And one of the things that I sort of tongue in cheek and jokingly raved about was the emotion and the fire that you saw from John Lucas from the sideline, which, as you pointed out, is something that you get from him all the time. Uh, just because that's how he's oriented and that's what his personality is. Um, and, it, and it was in a, in a positive light here because they won the game and they were playing well. But the other side of that with with Steven Silas and when we talk about him, and this is one of the things that you noted in your piece, is that sometimes you got to just get angry. You know, like I, I, like I love that he's even killed and he doesn't get too angry or too sad. He doesn't get too hyped and too happy and too, you know, too high or anything like that. He's just an even keel personality, but sometimes the moment calls for a little fire. And I know we got a technical foul in one of these games and, and we eventually have seen him get thrown out of a game, which is kind of, you know, funny given his, his personality, but, but I do, I do feel like some of that is needed and that's, that is lacking and perhaps wouldn't be as needed with a team that, maybe doesn't struggle as much with focus or has more experience or, or, you know, veteran leadership on it, you know, aside from Eric Gordon, but this one, as young as it is, you know, they showed that graphic of them being, you know, the Rockets being by far the team that plays the, the, the most guys under the most players under age 23 or 20, whatever the age was that the graphic showed during the game. Um, against the Spurs, like they're by far basically the youngest team or playing the youngest players. And so it, it just seems like sometimes from an, from an accountability standpoint, you need to kind of shake the table a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you partly. Um, Silas is who he is. And I think that it's dangerous as a head coach or really as, as any sort of a coach to try and be someone who you're not because players see right through that. And that's where you that's when you lose locker rooms is when you start trying to be someone else. So I, I don't think that Silas can try to be John Lucas and yell and scream and all that sort of stuff because that's just not who he is. And I think that people stop taking you seriously when you start acting like someone that you're not. But I do think that there are ways to send a message without yelling and screaming and all that sort of stuff. And that's where you get into minutes. And that's where you get into benching guys. And if if you want to send a message to someone you can sit him down without yelling at him and he'll get the message pretty clear. At least I would think that, Hey, you can't play this way and expect to play. And sometimes it's, it's a silent message, but it's a message. And I think that sometimes is what you need to do with young players. If they aren't going to play with the right amount of energy and force that it takes to win an NBA game, because something, one of the best quotes that I've heard really all season was by Lucas after they beat Milwaukee. And the quote was, we hide behind we're young. We're not great, but we're better than young. And I think so often these guys tend to hide behind the whole thing. Like Lucas said, oh, we're young. It's okay. We lost the game. The, that doesn't mean that you can just not play with energy just because you're young. That's not going to fly. And Jalen Green had a quote early in the year, and it was one of those like really mature quotes when he said it. And you're like, okay, yeah, this, this is right. Basically saying we're in a rebuild. You know, we're young. We're in a rebuild. There are no losses with this team. There are wins, and then there's learning lessons. That sounds great, but what lessons are you actually learning? Because we saw basically the same thing in the second half against Portland 
there was no lesson learned because they the same way that they played in the second half against Portland is how they played the entire game against San Antonio. So you can talk about, hey, you know, we're just here and we're going to win or we're going to learn lessons, but are you putting the lessons to good use? Because to me, when you're seeing them lose games the exact same way, where you're seeing them play without any energy, without any effort, without any focus in back-to-back games, then it tells me you're not learning a lesson. And that's where development and the way that they've built the roster, that's where that becomes a problem. And that's when a two-year rebuild becomes a 15-year rebuild, in, in essence. You know what it reminds me of, actually? It reminds me of when we were here talking about Remember the back-to-back games in Denver mm-hmm. when they when they lost the first one and it was like okay sure and then the second one it's the exact same thing you're like okay how do you not respond a little bit better at least a little bit better than that how is it the exact same thing like and and maybe maybe watching them play well you know recently up until this three game stretch here the the the, the progress that it seemed that they had made uh, this is kind of a, feels like a step back into into what it was looking like in that in that little stretch there, what they did in Denver. Yeah, but at least in that first Denver game, they competed and they played hard. And then the second game was just a bad one. You're gonna have you're gonna have bad games in an NBA season, and maybe maybe last night was that. But to lose in the exact same manner on Monday as you lost on Saturday, that's not growth, and that's not youth. That's just not playing hard. And you can watch. I, I urge everyone just go watch that clip that we're, that we talked about in the third quarter, where it's a nice move by Porter. It's a really nice move by Porter. Euro step and finish over a really good shot blocker in Jakob Pertle, and then to let them inbound the ball. No one even points at the basketball. Nobody even points at Trey Jones. They just let him go. That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing basketball, and that's the sort of stuff that cannot be tolerated at this level. What's going on with Jalen Green? You mentioned him uh, a moment ago. He was on the floor. The Stars were the ones that were on the floor in that play that we're talking about. But Jalen Green over this last three-game stretch, look, I, I still fully expect him to take that step forward as someone who can reliably score 25-plus a game and, and do it efficiently, uh, more efficiently at some point. Um, but he's had a, a poor few shooting nights or so, you know the the Miami game it took him 21 shots to to score 22 had just 15 on 5 of 16 shooting against Portland and then was just 3 of 12 against San Antonio what did you see from him that maybe uh maybe he was he was lacking a little bit or the reason why he couldn't really get his offense going I think the three-point shot has just deserted him and that's impacted the rest of his game he's he's now 31 percent from three for the season he's at less than 25 percent over the last 17 games and it kind of feels like he's hesitant on that shot right now and he's lost confidence he went he started the game uh against portland on saturday he was 0 for 5 and then he tried a buzzer beater at the end of uh, at the end of the second quarter so he's 0 for 6 at halftime he was the first rocket out of the locker room uh from halftime and he went straight to the three-point line to get up some shots and then he didn't take another three the rest of the game and I asked him about it. And he said he said that it's kind of his it might be his legs right now for whatever reason, because um, he thought Saturday that he was leaving everything short. But then I asked him, well, do you think you didn't take any threes in the second half? Were you hesitating? Did you, was that a confidence thing? He said, no, you know, Portland's like they're they're playing me, you know, they're playing me real tight. And so I didn't have any opportunity. And that that wasn't the case. I mean, he passed up on some looks. 
And that's to me, it's a confidence thing. Um, I think that he's probably let that seeped into seep into other parts of his game, but it doesn't, he's still getting to the free throw line a good amount. And I think Monday was really the first time that he had had a bad free throw shooting game. So it's just one of those things where they're going to shoot the ball. Well, especially with three point shooting, you're going to go through stretches where you shoot it. Great. You're going to have to go through stretches where you shoot it poorly. I don't expect him to be at 31% the rest of the season. I imagine that that climbs back up into the mid thirties at some point. So I, I think it's just one of those stretches, but you know, you, he can't let his effort lag in other areas. And I'm going to go back to, to the Trey Jones thing from, from the third quarter on Monday. And he's got to pick up that guy. I, I don't know if that's necessarily his number one responsibility, but he's back and he's out of position. And I do think that he's let his, his effort lag over this stretch. And maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's a lot of other things, but that to me, I, I think it's his shot. That's kind of got his confidence shaking a little bit and then i don't think the effort's been there yeah i don't want to be too nerdy mechanics guy here and 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 i'm not going to pretend like i've like slowed it down to to break down every moment of his shooting form but just kind of casually watching it live like when i'm watching the game live it feels like he's brought that shot back down like i know they worked on him and john lucas and maybe some others i know that they worked on getting that shot up because he was pushing it from his chin uh, his rookie year. Um, but it feels like, like kind of going back to your point about the, the or what he, I guess, told you, or what you kind of gleaned from the legs or, or suspect that it could be from his legs. It looks like he's diverted back to, you know, shooting that that rookie form jump shot from his chin again. Um, and so I, I wonder, kind of giving some credence to this idea of the confidence there, I wonder if he's like, leaning back on some of the old things that he used to do before, you know, he was really starting to develop his shot, but, uh, or develop his shot on the NBA level. But yeah, man, I I think that this is just one of those things where you're still going to have peaks and valleys with Jalen green as he develops into that frontline player that we all kind of believe and see him to be, uh, because the flashes are there. I mean, the guy, I mean, he's impossible to stay in front of. And when he is, and like you mentioned, he's getting to the line, uh, I think a market improvement in his, you know, sophomore campaign from rookie campaign is the aggression, the shot selection, the ability to get to the line. And he's really, I think, building off of that from the end of last year, how he played. And then also defensively, which bring it back again, not to belabor the point, which is also, you know, a kind of a, a disappointing part of that play, because it does seem like the the, the step that he's taken and I, I know I opened this up bringing the point about his shot, but it seems like the step that his game is really taking has been centered around defensively, centered around him developing physically to where he doesn't have to shoot the ball from his chin because he still needs to get stronger. And he is competing on the de- defensive end because he's not as much of a pushover as he was as a rookie. So, so yeah, I think it's more so of a peak and valley type of thing. Obviously, he's not a rookie anymore, but he is still – what 20 he's born in 2002 so you know he's still still a, re- a very young player and it's just, just kind of one of the things that i think you're gonna experience when when you're when your best player is that young and what i think what you bring up with the mechanics it's a good point because you do sometimes fall back into 
you know, into what you're used to. And they've had very little practice time over this stretch. I mean, they've been at home for uh, basically two weeks now, but I want to say they've had maybe one or two, maybe one, two, or they've had very little practice. I mean, they practiced, they practiced Sunday. I think they practiced last Saturday and that's been about it. There just hasn't been a whole lot of time for them to be in the gym to really work on some stuff. So I, I think sometimes that he just, it's just like one of those, like you said, mechanical things where you fall back into habits. Maybe you aren't able to get into your right habits just because you haven't been able to get into the gym as much as maybe you'd like. Yeah, I, I thought it was important to at least just bring it up since it has been a slump. And the last time we talked at him, I brought up as a topic, you know, as sort of an, an evergreen topic, but I found it timely because of the news about Kate Cunningham. I felt it pertinent to bring up whether he's the best player of the class or whether, you know, I'm still buying stock into Jalen Green. And I think, I mean, it's just a really good class. You know, that's why, why it's a fun discussion to have, you know, it's not, not, it's actually not a slight to anybody because I wouldn't slight any of the guys that are at the top of that class, but, but it, it is to me somewhat ironic and maybe I'm, maybe I overuse the term ironic uh, because this is just the, like I said, the peaks and valleys, but it is somewhat ironic that I would initiate that conversation the last time we talked. And then he goes into his, uh, so- sophomore slump uh, of of shooting. And, and again, maybe it's the legs, maybe it's a lack of focus, and maybe it's just a, a, a thing of sort of just maturing as a pro. But I want to switch to the other guard, the other starting guard uh, for the Houston Rockets, Kevin Porter Jr. He had a couple of interesting quotes that I wasn't there for, so I'm not able to contextualize. I think you were there for both of them, if I'm not yes. mistaken. So I, I want you to help me understand, and I, I'm going to – I should just preface this before we even get into it, that I don't take Kevin Porter Jr.'s quotes too seriously. Like the ones – and I'm trying to say that without being disrespectful because he's he's had some of the better quotes, some of the more insightful quotes about the Rockets' culture, the way they've sort of taken him in, for lack of a better term and nurtured him since they brought him in uh, via trade from Cleveland a couple of years ago. But uh, let's work our way backwards and start with the the thing about the holidays, because I heard this get played on the radio and I snickered a little bit because they made fun of him. And I would have just I would have almost thrown this. I know you live tweeted it as well, but I would have almost thrown this quote into the into the bin, into the trash can, because I think he was just kind of talking. But add some clarity to why the holidays factored into this piss poor effort that we've been discussing for the last 25 minutes. I think basically the question is, did the missing did missing shots lead to some of the frustration? It was kind of a it, it just the question was kind of a little meandering. I guess the point was a little meandering, but it's did missing shots have to do with some of just the frustration of essentially letting go of the rope in the third quarter? And essentially the response is probably so. And then that's when he started blaming just like the distractions that come with the holidays. And let me find the exact quote here. Um, uh, he said, probably so it's the holidays, family and everything. It's just outside frustration, probably getting in and that's with everyone. So it, it was one of those quotes. I didn't make that much of it, to be honest with you, but, we were, but that was one of those things that kind of, we talked about in the room after is just kind of a weird thing to say. And I didn't think that it was going to get <laughs> basically uh, blow up the way that it did last night, but such is the internet. So yeah, I thought it was kind of a throwaway and it's just, 
it's one of those things that just don't say it. It, it it's yeah. just but I probably get what he's saying where there are some distractions that come with the holidays because he's probably got a bunch of family in town. All these guys probably have a bunch of family in town and it's probably not something that, that they're necessarily used to because if you are Jabari Smith Jr. and you've been at home for the holidays basically your whole life except for when you're in college and you're not necessarily going to have a bunch of people over, you know, your entire family's not coming to Auburn to go celebrate Christmas in all likelihood. Now you're in the NBA. They're all going to come to your place and you got to figure out, okay, this person's going to stay here. That person's going to stay there. I got to set up hotel rooms for these people. So, I, you know, there probably are some distractions that come with that. So I, I, in a sense, I understand probably what he's saying. It's a young group. There's, you know, there's a lot of outside stuff that you're dealing with, you know, oftentimes for the first time, maybe the second time, but it's just one of those things. Yeah. Probably just keep that to yourself. Yeah, and I'm not going to pretend to be like super close to Kevin Porter Jr. or anything, but from what I do understand, he he is a feeler and an, and an emotional person. And so I feel like if there is anything, and I'm not trying to be in his business, but if there is anything outside of the game or in like real life that's going on, that that is something that could affect him and something that he might sort of hint at at the very least without you know telling them, telling the world whatever, whatever his business is. But But he is a feeler. That is... That has been my limited experience with Kevin Porter Jr. and, and press conferences that if 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 there's feelings to be felt, you know, they can easily get expressed and, and you'll know about it. So so that, that that's that. I will say, though, the other quote okay, that I okay, that I did take a little bit more seriously and I'm not trying to like stir the pot here. But again, I wasn't there. Wasn't there for the context. Just watched the game and then read the quote in i guess the in the ap story the next day but at the end of the game there kevin porter jr has an opportunity to tie the game uh the miami game i'm sorry the, i'm going back to the miami game here and so they catch the ball off they get it off of a miss basically they they call a timeout at the end of the game am i correct they call a timeout at the end of the game for the last possession of the game or for honestly i don't remember well <laughs> So so here's the here's the quote though. Here's the quote. So KPJ had a chance to tie the game at the end. You know, they lost by what they lose by three, right? Yeah. Yeah, he had a chance to tie the game at the end. And his quote was that he so he says, personally, I would have liked it in the flow of that rebound on that last stop, but we had to play against a set defense. And Miami is good when they get a chance to set their defense up. It was a tough shot that I can make, and I missed it. And and then the the next paragraph is basically explaining why you know the context of that. You know, Stephen Silas calls a timeout off of a miss, off of a rebound. With, let's see, with less than fifteen seconds to go in the game, twelve seconds left to go. And then that's when uh, when Kevin Porter Jr.'s last second shot or, or last uh, possession shot rims out. I didn't – so to me it was like, okay, without being there, this can – and I, I don't get, guess I saw too much consternation about this, but to me it sounded a little bit of calling out the coach. Maybe if not intentionally, maybe just being brutally honest and, and, and lacking some self-awareness of how a quote can be misconstrued. But I did find that one to be a little bit more, hey, definitely don't say like I think we I think too much was made of the whole 
especially when I heard it on the radio of, hey, it's the holidays thing, kind of throwaway comment. I do think this is one that you don't say of, hey, I would have I would have rather have taken the shot in transition and not called that timeout and allowed Miami to set up their defense. So I, I just went back just to to check the sequence. And basically, Miami's defense was already back when he called the timeout. So that's why he called it. So they were going to have to do something in the half court in that spot. And also, Usman Garuba is on the floor. So you call timeout to get Garuba off the floor because this is going to be a half court possession. And if Garuba's on the floor and you're down by three, it's basically four on five. So that's why you call the timeout in that spot. And again, that's just that's just a young guy saying that and probably not understanding the situation better enough. But it also kind of telegraphed exactly what Kevin Porter Jr. was going to do there because they get the ball with some 15 seconds left. He's going to bring the ball up the floor, and it doesn't seem like anybody else is going to touch the basketball in that spot. If he's saying, that, well, I, I can get that shot off, you know, in that spot. So there's 15 seconds left. There's plenty of, you know, there there is plenty of time to really, like, run something. Um, but, yeah, the defense was already back, and you have Garuba on the floor. So that's why you call timeout in that spot. So, yeah, that's – I don't remember – I don't even know if I heard that uh, on Thursday. But, yeah, that's that's why you call timeout in that spot. That's a good timeout by silence in that spot, and you just got to execute a little bit better. So are we are are you saying that we're past we're past that stage where Usman Garuba is a is a three point threat? That that are appears we, to be over. It was fun while it lasted, and I got a story out of it. But yeah, let, yeah. let me because he he started the year seven of eight, and I I remember I said to Silas, you know, it's probably not sustainable, and it turned out that I was right. This is not sustainable. So he's it's still fifty percent though, right? I yeah, think. He, he started the year seven of eight and he's now seven for 14. So he's missed his last six. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He's not, he's not taking them. Um, let me see. The last three point make for Usman Garuba was before Thanksgiving, July 20th. <laughs> uh, it's been a little while. Again, he's only, he was, uh, he made his only, he made a three July 20th. So that's when he was seven of eight. He took one the next game against Atlanta. He took two. Uh, one of those games in Denver, he took two against Milwaukee, and then he took one on Monday against San Antonio. So he's not exactly been taking a lot of shots. But, yeah, it, I was right. The seven for eight was not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Some some foresight by you there. Uh, freaking genius there. Well, um, but, <laughs> exactly. But at the very least, you could say that if he's going to have this drop-off in three-point shooting, he is – he fits right in with his teammates because they were five of 24 from three point range against San Antonio and three of 29 from three point range against Portland. And so they have not shot the ball well from three at all. Are, are they, they are the worst three point shooting team in, in basketball, right? Uh, it should, that should be the case. Uh, I can't, I can't imagine that they're not. They, they know. weren't going into um, the game against San Antonio. But I mean, after those numbers, so pr- from a percentage standpoint, they are 28th. They are okay. at 32.7% from the, uh, for the year. Toronto and Charlotte are worse. They're both at 32.4%. Um, let's go. I'm just going to go last 10 games from three, and they are the worst. They're 26.5%. Yeah. The, last, the, last, the, the thing, though, that stands out, they're not taking very many threes anymore. I mean, this is a team that would, you know, routinely take, you know, 40, 53s, and they're kind of, you know, been in the 20s recently. And, and I think last night uh, they were at 18 in the third quarter. 
and that's not that's nothing for for what they were and again i do feel like they're probably passing up some looks now but they also don't have a lot of shooting and i, I if you want to say you know one of the you, one of the areas that they really haven't addressed over the last couple of drafts is that they just haven't drafted a whole lot of shooting. I mean, Jabari Smith Jr. is kind of the one guy that can shoot out of the guys that they've brought in, but Alperin Shingun's not a shooter, and he's basically given up on that shot. Jalen Green has been a better shooter, but the shot has deserted him uh, for the most part this season. Josh Christopher is not playing. He's not a shooter, even when he was playing, and we just talked about Garuba's three-point shooting. And, and then on, on the other side, uh, this past draft, Smith is a good shooter. But Tari Eason is not. That's not somebody that you're worried about. And you don't really have to worry about Ty uh, Ty Washington. He hadn't been on the floor very much. And I think he he has made one three this year when he has played. But they just they don't have a lot of shooting on the floor. It's kind of reliant uh, really on on the guards. And they just haven't been shooting it all that well. So uh, it, it's really been a problem um, really the last few years. And uh, just going back to last year, um, as a team, they were actually they weren't that they were they were 21st last year at 34.9 percent. Um, let's see, the year before the COVID year, they were pretty bad from three. They were at 33.9 percent. So they yeah, had, they, had, they had Russell Westbrook on the team. No, no, this, this was before. This was the oh, year before. oh okay, okay. So this was the just the where they had everybody the the Westbrook year from three. Um, they were at 34 and a half percent and this is when they were taking a ton of them too. So yeah, it's not, they have not been a very good three point shooting team, but for me, you still got to take those shots and you still got to take them when they're there. And I think that the biggest concern for me is that they're not, they're just, they've kind of, they're hesitating on those looks and they're passing up those looks and you have to take those shots. Even if you don't make them, you still got to shoot them and you still got to have confidence that you're going to make them. And it feels like right now that confidence just isn't there. You just mentioned Ty Ty Washington. He's gotten uh, to play a little bit, but we learned that the reason why he played a few nights ago was because Dacian Nix was sick. Dacian Nix came back, and on on Monday, he had his best game against the Spurs, or at least a career high, career best nine assists. I thought it was it was his best game. I feel like Daisha Nix deserves a little bit of love because he played well, um, had had a stretch theory. I mean, and he he made good decisions, and and I feel like by and large he does. It's just when he doesn't, it's like awful, you know. When he it's like when he's good, he's he's really good or pretty good, you know, decent. And then when he's bad, it's 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 off of a cliff. But this game was his best. Let's give some, let's, you know give give some props to Daisha Nix playing his best game and. I wonder, I actually, I hope he doesn't have his mentions or, uh, you know, notifications on or anything like that for Rockets, Twitter and social media and all the crazies who, who talk about how, you know, how bad it's been. And it has been bad at times, but, you know, here's a moment where he, you know, deserves a little bit of credit, right? Nine, nine assists, no turnovers. And what I tell you last week, he's 20 years old. You got to let him play through it and you just got to let him make his mistakes. And that's what they've done. And yeah, he, you know, he had a, he had a couple of bad misses on three point shots, but that happens sometimes, but no, he, he played well and they needed him too. And this was the one thing that I, I wanted to mention when we were talking about Kevin Porter jr. They needed him desperately against San Antonio because Porter got himself in foul trouble. And so he had to play the entire second quarter because Porter wasn't foul. Porter picked up his fourth foul with seven eleven left in the second quarter. And 
you know, we can talk about the stuff that Porter says after the games. It's his play that is a little more concerning than anything else because he was terrible against San Antonio. He was absolutely terrible in that game, aside from the one nice little Euro step layup over Jakob Pearl. But for the most part, he was bad and he can't pick up four fouls like that. And the fourth foul is one that you just cannot commit under any circumstance. And it's totally avoidable. It was when he's complaining about the call after it was made, but it, it was 100% a foul. It was 100% avoidable. You can't run through a screen the way that he tried to do it. And so of course he's going to get called for a foul there. And you have to understand that with three fouls, you can't do that. You can't put your team in that sort of a position. And that's, that's, that to me was more concerning than anything else that he said after the game. He said after any game was just the lack of focus to understand that, hey, I have three fouls right now. I can't do that. I can't put my team in that position. Yeah, you know what? That, And we're going to get out of here in just a second, but I am glad that you mentioned that because if I had to say, like, what is the thing that brings most concern about Kevin Porter Jr.? It's not actually some of the other ancillary stuff about, you know, a lot of the reasons why he, you know, was sort of run out of Cleveland and the question marks even here, the reason why his 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 new deal is structured the way that it is. But it's very specifically the the lack of focus. And maybe maybe that is the tie in with some of the comments, some of his aimless comments at times. It's like that at the very least does seem consistent with. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to watch the fourth foul again from yesterday. Just I wanted to 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 make sure. So sorry. Yeah, no, I'm 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 actually more known for the or more notorious for the you know the random noise from the computer. But th- but that to me is the thing that sort of seems consistent is like it, the aimlessness sometimes and lack of focus would be the thing that would make me say man kevin porter jr is a super talented dude hard to guard lefty awkward uh awkward to guard but you know athletic quick you know has all of these physical attributes that entice you but can just sometimes it seem like he's elsewhere or i don't know i don't know I, i don't know exactly how to explain it but there 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 is a focus issue that you know, you hope improves over time as he continues to mature. But, you know, it's his, what, fourth, fourth, fourth season in the NBA? He's supposed to be the vet. Yeah. And uh, and I'm just watching this foul again. He basically tries to cheat. He tries to take a shortcut. He anticipates a screen coming from Jakob Pertle, and Pertle doesn't really set a screen. Pertle's trying to, you know, get into the lane, get to his spot on the floor, and Porter basically just runs into him because he's trying to take a shortcut and that's the sort of stuff that can't happen. And you can do that when you're a rookie, you know, that's going to happen. But when you are, you know, he's talking about how he's a leader of the team can't do that sort of stuff as a leader of the team, because now again, and I said this a minute ago, I'll say it again. You have four fouls. You're supposed to be one of the two best players on the team. And now your team, and now your team, now you're not available to your team for a while because of that. And fortunately for the Rockets, Knicks picked him up. You know, if, if Knicks doesn't pick him up, then this game last night might've been even worse than, than what it turned out to be because they had a lead at halftime. And a lot of it was because of Knicks. So, I mean, Porter's just got to be better. You know, this is, he he's one of their guys now. 
Yep. They committed to him. And he's got to, he has to carry himself like he's one of the guys. And when you are a starting point guard, you are the extension of the coaching staff. You are the leader of the team. You're the leader on the floor. And too often he's not, he's just not doing that. He's not holding up his end. All right, quickly, Adam, before we get out of here, you had a piece on sportsradio610.com about Coach Silas wanting to get Albert and Goon some more post touches. We have talked in the past about whether they could run the offense through Alperin Shingoon. We agree that, you know, maybe at times, but for the most part, you want that ball going through the hands of Jalen Green, your best player. Uh, obviously, Kevin Porter Jr., we've talked about at length as well. When he's making good decisions and when he's focused, that's probably somebody you prefer to have the ball in his hand, again, when he's making good decisions and when he's focused. But what's this about more Shingoon post-ups? Is that is that something that we can expect to see, or is it just something that hasn't happened because the game hasn't dictated it so far? I mean, Silas talked about it yesterday, that they want to be more intentional about getting the ball into the post. And what happens last night, they had one post touch for Alperin Shingun. So, you know, they, they've talked about doing it. Um, it. It has been, you know, it's it's one of these weird things because he's at, I, th- I think he's at 2.7 post-ups a game. And while he's good on post-ups and he's, you know, upper half of the league in post-ups, it's still not an efficient play because you are, they are basically scoring uh, 0.96 points per post-up possession with him, something like that. And if you go over a hundred possessions, 96 points per 100 possessions is not, you know, it's not a good offense. So it, it's one of those weird, you know, he's good at post-ups, but it's just not an efficient play. And so you have to find that balance, but you know, they talked about wanting to be more intentional with it. I think there are opportunities where they can do it for whatever reason. You know, I don't know exactly why they didn't do it um, against San Antonio yesterday. It kind of, I mean, maybe Pirtle's not the best guy to post up. He's not, you know, the most physical guy, but he's, but he's a good shot blocker and he's going to make, he's, he'll make things tough on, on you in, in the post, I guess. But um, I, I think now over the last 17 games, they're averaging 1.3 post touches for Shingu. So they did it last night. He got fouled on his only post up. He made both shot. He made both free throws. So, you know, that's two points in one possession. That's a, that's pretty good offense. If you keep doing that over and over, but yeah, I don't know. It's not necessarily, I don't think the way that they want to play, I don't think they want to post up all that much. I don't think it's a great offense to have in 2022, 2023, unless you're Shaq and, you know, is a good post up player, but He's not Shaq, and I don't know how much the guards want to be just like dumping the ball into the post and letting him go to work. I, I just think it's a hard offense sometimes to run over and over and over again. I think it's one of those things you can do here, you can do it there, uh, but doing it you know more than four times a game, I think it's probably a little bit much right now at this point. But we'll see. We'll see if they're intentional about it. You know, you look and um, they're playing Orlando on Wednesday. That feels like a team that you could probably post up a little bit. Maybe you can get. Uh, Paolo Bancaro into a little bit of foul trouble. So we'll see. Like you mentioned, they've got uh, the Orlando Magic and the Dallas Mavericks to wrap up the homestand before Christmas. Right after Christmas, they're on the road at Chicago. At but Chicago, by the way, a little bit of a mess these days. And Boston playing some of, at least the last time I watched them, playing some of the best offense that you'll find. Um, so, so those, these next few games should be interesting for a number of different reasons. We will talk after Christmas. So Adam, 
Merry, you know, happy holidays to you. Obviously, I'll probably end up seeing you at some point, probably at one of these games. I might catch you on Friday, but if not, happy holidays to you. And hell, we might. I don't know if we're doing shows together. I don't know. We the holiday schedule is wild, but I know you and I kind of kind of keep working for the most part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so that's all. That is Adam Spillane. I'm Brandon Scott. Uh, Austin Mendez is producing this bad boy behind the scenes. And make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, like, and tell your people about it. And until next time, happy holidays to y'all, and y'all be good.